Business leaders today need to go beyond meetings and management. There are action steps that nearly every leader needs to know to align with their core values and get the important priorities done. Welcome to the Grow Forward Today podcast with Paul D. Casey. Whether you're just starting out as a leader in your organization or have been a seasoned professional who wants to explore new ideas and practices, this will be an enlightening and highly applicable program. And now, your host, Paul Casey. If you want to be someone who's respected and casts a positive shadow on those you impact, listen to someone who's been there, done that and began an international coffee company you've probably visited this month. Today on episode six of the Grow Forward Today podcast, you'll meet my guest, Howard Bihar, one of Starbucks founders, who will join me in talking about servant leadership, living by your core values, and being known for your work ethic and integrity, and much more. Let's talk about core values and how it relates to personal leadership development. Ready to grow forward? Welcome, friends. I do a lot of leadership coaching in coffee shops, which I like to call my other office. Hard to imagine a day before coffee shops. And it was a real bummer when the pandemic forced the shops to a drive through only. Come on, coffee's essential, right? My favorite local shop is called Barracuda, whose motto is people first, then coffee. Hmm, that's very similar to the motto of the most popular coffee shop in the world that we'll be discussing today. It's true that I want a place to develop relationships and make connections, and a coffee shop is the first place I go, because that environment is conducive to hanging out with friends, clients, and even potential clients. It reminds me of an article I read almost 20 years ago about how coffee shops have become a third place for people to spend their time next to home and work. Many think the ambient sounds of the coffee shop are perfect for studying or entrepreneurial work on laptops. They have even recorded these sounds so you can play them at home to experience the coffee shop vibe. Well, my guest today is one of the founders of Starbucks, Howard Bihar. Here's a little bit about Howard. For 21 years, Howard led Starbucks domestic business as president of North America, and he became the founding president of Starbucks International, opening the very first store outside of North America in Japan. During his tenure, he participated in the growth of the company from only 28 stores to over 15,000 stores spanning five continents. He served on the Starbucks board of directors for 12 years before retiring. Howard now serves on the boards of several for-profit and nonprofit organizations, including Education Element, ID Tech, the School of Leadership Studies at Gonzaga University. He's on advisory boards of Anthos Capital, University of Washington Foundation, and a trustee for the Sherry and Les Biller Family Foundation. Howard lives in Seattle, Washington, and his wife with his wife Lynn, and enjoys spending time with his children and five grandchildren. Boating is his favorite hobby, exploring the waterways from Seattle to Alaska. And I got connected to Howard through his neighbor, a friend of mine, Kendall Gentry in Anacortes, Washington. So privileged that you take some time to be on my show. Welcome, Howard. Thanks, Paul. It's good to be here. Well, in a nutshell, Howard, what is servant leadership? And how did you seek to live that out as the president of Starbucks? Well, in a nutshell, servant leadership is the idea that we're here to serve before being served. And as a leader, our primary responsibility is to help our people grow as human beings and to develop their skills and to help them achieve their goals in life. 
their leaders are not to be served, but to serve. And so if we do that well with our people, then our people innately want to serve us in our organizations. And so it's, you know, the old karma, you know, whatever you do, you get back. And, um, and that's primarily, that's the basis of it. And I started, you know, becoming a student of servant leadership when, well, it's been 40, uh, 50 years now. Like I, when I say 50 years, I can't even believe it myself. <laughs> but uh, when I first read the little pamphlet by Robert Greenleaf on servant leadership, and that began the journey for me to understand what it meant. And I'm still a student. I'm still learning. Oh, so good. So good. Yes, Greenleaf is a classic. And yeah. I, I love how he has that quote of like, do people that you serve, are they like uh, more more ready to serve other people, you know, are they flourishing? I can't remember the quote, but it, it's a good self-check on whether right, you're being a right. self-leader, right. a servant leader. Well, core values uh, ground people in what matters most to them. And you preach leading with your values first. What does that mean? And, and maybe could you give uh, an example or two of how that plays out in the workplace? Well, you know, what our, our core values define who we are as a human being. It's, it's the hat that we wear in all aspects of our lives. Uh, and so my first core value is honesty. So that means that honesty is a driving force within me. doesn't mean I don't tell a white lie now and then I do. But, but my, my core is about being honest with myself first and then with others. And so that drives me. So inside an organization, that means that when somebody asks me a question or there's something going on in the organization, I talk about it. I don't, I don't keep it to myself, and I certainly don't lie about it. If somebody asks me a direct question, they're going to get a direct response if I know the answer. So it, it creates a, a trust in an organization. And that, you know, the word trust, you know, it's the grease of life. Without trust, nothing happens in a marriage, in a family, at work, wherever you are. So core values are, you know, intrinsic to, to leading an organization. And everybody should understand as a leader what your core values are and, and what matters to you. And then those values have to be lived. You know, they're not just words, they're actions. The words that you say, like honesty is not a word. It, it, it's an action. It's, it's, you know, it defines everything. And it helps you set direction for how you want to live your life. And that's how I do. I live by my values. Was there a time for you when you really identified what those core values were? I'm sure they, uh, it was sort of a discovery process over the years, but uh, you know, with my clients, I try to do the core values exercise with cards and, and have them rank those cards that in the early years when you were uh, maybe rediscovering what those were, did you do an exercise like that? I did. Um, it, it came because I was struggling with the personal identity. I won't go into the whole story, but, but, and because somebody was challenging me, who challenging who I was, what, and the problem was, is I didn't know who I was. I was just Howie or Howard, you know, traveling along the journey and the road of life, doing my stuff, never thinking about what I stood for. And so that, that little conflict pushed me to define who I was and I read, read this book on personal growth. And the first exercise was to, was to define your core values, to write out your core values. And it gave you a list of about 300 words that represented human values. Well, and it said to get it down to 8 to 10. Well, that was like almost 
possible test <laughs> because there certainly are more than eight to ten values that you may live by. But we're talking here about the core ones. These come heck or high water that you you live by. And so that began the journey. And I got my 8 to 10 down, and I got it to 50 first, and then took me about six to eight months to get it down to the 8 to 10. And then it asked me to write a personal mission statement. Mm -hmm. And I did that, and it was a basic mission statement. At the time, I was in the home furnishings industry, and I wanted to be the, one of the leading executives in the home furnishings industry. And then, and then it said, Write a paragraph on how you want to live your life. And instead of a paragraph, I, I chose six words. And the words are these. Purpose. Everything I do in my life has to have a purpose greater than myself. Number two, uh, passion. If I'm going to have a purpose greater than myself, then I darn well better be passionate about it. The third P, persistence. You know, there's a lot of rocks in, our, in the rivers we call our lives. And we're going to hit a lot of them. And some of them we see before we hit them, hit them. Some of them we don't. But we've got to get over them, around them, through them, or over them, or whatever. And then the fourth P is patience. You think that patience was the opposite of persistence, but it's not. You have to be patiently persistent. Not everything comes in the time frame that you want it to come. And the most important person you have to be patient with is yourself. Mm -hmm. And then the fifth P is performance. Performance matters. You got to do what you say you're going to do. And that's a key to servant leadership is performance, right? But it's not performance on the backs of people. It's performance with people. And then the sixth P is people. There's not a role that any of us will have in our lives. that isn't about serving another human being. Whether you're a widget maker, a doctor, a lawyer, a podcaster, a barista, doesn't make any difference. It's always about serving another human being. So those things became, I put down on a sheet of paper because all this has to be written down. Yeah. Or it's me. You don't write it down. It's just wishes, hopes, and dreams, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I wrote it all down and become a picture of Howard in 50 words or less. And it's how I live my life. Wow. That is a cool process that you went through. And yeah, you know, my clients start throwing things at me when I say, okay, get that down to 10 values. Yeah, well, it doesn't mean that there's 50 <laughs> others that apply. It's just that these are the 8 to 10 that are really core to you. And you have to, right. it takes time. It's not an easy task. No, it's like, what are the most important? And defend those values, just like you have. Defend yeah. those values. Why are those so important to you? You would almost die for them because yeah. they're so vital. And they're great that they all start with the letter P. That was magical. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> Easy to remember, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, great process. You know, I'll just take a quick rabbit trail with you. You said patience. The first person to be patient with is yourself. I run into lots of people that wrestle with uh, self-compassion, putting this uh, unheard of standard on themselves. What would you say to those folks? Um, create affirmations that help you remind yourself all the time. So I have two core affirmations. The first one is I love myself unconditionally. Mm. Love myself unconditionally. The second is the second affirmation is I, I am enough, I have enough, I do enough. And I repeat those things to myself almost every day. You know, and those things have driven me. I've said those to myself thousands of times. And I need them, right? Because it's so easy as human beings to forget, particularly when we're under stress. Yeah, and so self-talk is huge. And you have yeah. actually intentionally 
like ejected any negative CDs from your brain, put in these positive affirmations to convince yourself of what the truth really is. Yeah. And I'm not perfect. I, you know, I have, there's times when my self-talk is terrible and, uh, you know, and I have to work myself through it. And, uh, you know, that's part of the process of life and no perfect people in this world, no perfect journey. So true. You know, integrity is a core value that many of my clients, when they rank their values down, that becomes number one or really close to number one with many of them. Where do you see leaders make little compromises in areas of integrity and where does that lead? Well, not being honest is a big one. Yeah. When, when they get asked a question or something's going on, they don't share that. They're not, they're not, they don't, aren't honest. And that to me is core because once you're not, then what happens is somebody finds out and it breaks trust. And once trust is broken in an organization, leader's relationship with his or her people is worthless. And uh, it's, it's doing what you say you're going to do when you're going to do it. It's, you know, it's, it's, you know, creating trust in a relationship is the single most important thing you can have. Note, if you don't have trust with inside a marriage, you don't have a marriage. If, right. if you don't have trust with inside a family, you don't have a family. If you don't have trust with inside an organization, you don't really have a healthy organization. So you've said trust is telling the truth, you know, being honest, integrous, doing what you say that you will do leads to trust. Being any vulnerable. You would give to uh, folks that want to build trust in any of those relationships that you just described? Yeah. You know, don't wait for somebody to ask you a question. Mm. Be willing to share the information that you have. Uh, you know, be vulnerable. Be willing to be vulnerable. Be willing to talk about when you've made mistakes and own those mistakes. And uh, you can talk about your fears. You know, you don't don't try to hide stuff. You know, it's it's uh, you know the other thing. You know, love your people. Not, it's not the love that you have for your family. It's different. But it's still, it's love because they're human beings and they're worthy of love. Care for your people. Not when it's only convenient, but when it costs. You know, real caring is about when you, when it costs you something to care. Time, money, whatever, emotions, whatever it is. You know, so all those things matter. And that's how organizations, healthy organizations are built. Yeah, I love the concept of transparency. Uh, like you said, vulnerability. There's there's more research coming on about that. It seems like every year on uh, how the old school was. No, we've got to have this exterior wall that we put up. We have to have this barrier between us and our people. And it's like, nope, that is not build trust at all. It's that transparency and that care and that love for your people. Yeah. So you have modeled a strong work ethic throughout your entire life. It seems like this core value has been touted a lot by those in the builders and boomers generations. And then I don't know, my observation is with each ensuing generation, there's not as much emphasis given to work ethic as a primary core value. Have you observed this? And what are are the payoffs to a strong work ethic? You know, to tell you the truth, I have not seen that. Okay. I think you, you get what you give in organizations. And if you have, if you want to call it a strong work ethic or just, I just call it commitment 
and passion, mm. right? Then people see that and they want to they want to emulate that. And everybody has their own uh, abilities, you know, and and everybody has their own needs. And so I I I never looked at how much time people were spending. I I looked at what their performance was and did they get the job done or didn't they get the job done? But, you know, a lot of people, I used to go to Japan a lot and, um, you know, because we Starbucks opened in Japan when I started Starbucks International was the first country we went into. And I was always amazed. I always watched the people in Japan. They would stay in the office until the leader went home. It didn't make Mm -hmm. any difference. If the leader was there until midnight, they'd still be there. (laughs) And, And I used to have to tell them, go home, you know, just being here does not make you a hero, you know, but a lot of people, a lot of leaders confuse uh, time with work ethic. I don't, I, I, I put performance, you know, instead of time. Yeah. I had a leader once that he assumed that if you're behind your desk from nine to five, that was, you were doing actual work. Yeah, uh, and you know my philosophy was the 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 work is being with the people uh, away from the desk, <laughs> and but there was a there was a difference in in viewpoint. Of, yeah. is it is it behind? Is it the time or is it the passion? Uh, also, I had a leader that that I said, well, you know, I'm just I'm just too passionate about what I'm doing. I probably should dial that back. And he goes, Paul, never dial back your passion. Yeah, <laughs> would you agree with that statement? <laughs> I agree with that totally. Matter of fact, that was when I was when I had that conflict where trying to figure out who I was is I'm an emotional guy and I had a lot of passion for what I was doing and I didn't hold it back and it created a little conflict and I had to uh, figure out how to support that. And so, yeah, I totally agree with you. So I don't I, I think we, we don't we can't sit in judgment of others, uh, you know, work ethic. It's, it's what are you, are you willing to put your energy behind something to get performance, to make something happen? Um, and, that, you know, that should be enough. You've probably uh, been both in the leader chair where you've had to cast vision for uh, an initiative uh, or to re-up, whether it's customer service, care, you know, care for the people. I'm assuming that passion plays a huge role in any kind of a vision cast scenario, right? Yeah, passion, but purpose is more important. Oh, okay. You know, I mean, because people attach to purpose, you know, they attach because you're passionate about it, of course, that helps. But they they find their own passion if the purpose is greater than themselves and they understand what that, what that purpose is. And that's what we're trying to do. You know, Warren Buffett, uh, you know, probably one of the U.S.'s greatest investors, he said, Give me culture over strategy any day of the week. Yep. And culture comes from from creating and getting everybody to align with the greater purpose of the organization in their own way. If a company has sort of lost that love and feel it, you know, they've lost that that purpose and, you know, they're just down in the weeds and people are resigning. People are uh, infighting over that. If you are giving counsel to a leader, how would you re-up purpose for a company? Well, you know, first of all, um, it's, it's not just a leader's responsibility, right? It's the organization's responsibility. And 
if you listen to your people, they'll tell you what they see the purpose is. And you can be, I mean, there are some leaders that, you know, start an entrepreneurial company and they, they right away, they know what their greater purpose is, mm -hmm. you know, and they drive that home. Uh, but there's a lot of leaders that their greater purpose is to make money for themselves. That doesn't unite anybody. Nope. You know? And so I always had an intrinsic need to have something bigger than me drawing me towards it. And usually it always revolved around serving people. And uh, that was just who I was, you know, innately. And that, I, that drove me. And that's what I brought to Starbucks, you know. And I, I coined this little phrase, you know, early on at Starbucks. It's still alive today. We weren't in the coffee business serving people, but we're in the people business serving coffee. And, uh, and believe it or not, that still lives in that organization today, over 30 years later. And because it was it, that, that we were in the people business. And everything we did revolved around serving people, first serving the people that worked in the organization, secondly, serving those people we call customers and helping both have a better life in whatever way we can. Did I, did I hear a rumor of your buddy uh, Howard Schultz that when, uh, when he re-engaged re with the organization after some time off, that he literally had a purpose uh, meeting where he called all the employees together, he shut down all the Starbucks for a period of time and re-upped that, that motto. Is that, is that true or is that lore? <laughs> well, he did. Yes, he did close the stores down for a day. And, and he, he had seen something that he thought was hurting the company, that people weren't committed to doing, doing the right thing and to performance. And so, you know, he was right about some things and that. And, and, and what he was right about, he got everybody's attention. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in a good way. And, yeah. and uh, you know, and so he helped re refocus the company. But it was there. It's mm -hmm. just leadership had stopped talking about it. And, you know, it became about growth versus, you know, purpose. Oh, boy, that's, that's, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that was a, that's a priority shift, right? Yeah, sure. We're in the people business serving coffee, not the coffee business serving people. What did you seek to emphasize about that when you wrote your book, It's Not About the Coffee? I wanted everybody to understand that, that what makes the world go around are people. There's nothing, coffee by itself, you take the coffee bean, it grows on a tree and a cherry. Until somebody picks that cherry, takes the bean out of it, and does something with it roast it or whatever it happens to be, and then, and then uh, grinds it, then brews it, then, or then sells it, ships it. Nothing happens with that coffee bean. So it takes human beings to do it. So, you know, I'm trying to convince everybody that no matter what business you're in, you know, podcast business doesn't make any difference. It's about serving others. And when you take your eye off of that ball, you're going to fail. And so that's what I was trying to get everybody to understand, that it wasn't about the coffee. Coffee had to be good, but it was, look at the coffee was our art. It was our literature, it was music. And a lot of creativity came out on the coffee and other things that we sold. But what was really important was being of service to people. And that drove the business. I mean, that people always ask me, we must have had great training programs. I said, we hardly had any training programs. <laughs> you must have had great marketing. We hardly spent a dime on marketing. <laughs> what we did was focus on our people. Everybody got health care. Everybody got equity in the company. 
uh, and on and on. And it wasn't just benefits, but how we treated each other. Were we perfect? Hell no, we were not. We made lots of mistakes along the way. We, we broke trust a few times and, and had to work like hell to get it back. And, you know, but that was where we were. We pretty much always had self-correcting mechanisms. And when you take care of your people, they take care of the customers, the other people, right? Yeah, those other people. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the way it goes. That's why we put our people at the top of the pyramid, you know, and then the customers. And then we're at the very bottom of the pyramid leaders. That's a great servant leadership model. It's an inverse pyramid. Yep. Right? Okay. Yes. Yes. Well, we're going to take a break here uh, for a moment. You're listening to the Grow Forward Today podcast on the Voice America Business Channel. You can learn about uh, my five books at growingforwardservices.net and about Howard's books at howardbehard.com. When we come back, we're going to talk about another book that uh, Howard wrote called The Magic Cup. So stay tuned. If you're a manager or supervisor trying to keep your team and yourself engaged, motivated, and accomplishing goals, then you want to check out Bullseye, Paul Casey's membership community for team leaders, coming alongside you to achieve confidence and success in leading your team. Within Bullseye, there are plug-and-play forms and tools, inspirational audios to pump you up, team player videos to play in staff meetings, icebreakers for your one-to-ones, and of course, interaction with Paul and other industry team leaders to chat about how to solve the problems you are wrestling with. Paul will bring on live experts once a month to answer your questions on their expertise, and he will ping you twice a week via text to encourage you in your pursuit of your goals. Finally, there is a resource for anyone who supervises others and wants to develop their potential. Check out Bullseye to find out more and subscribe today for the best rates they'll ever be at growingforwardservices.net. That's growingforwardservices.net. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to the Grow Forward Today podcast. If you'd like to know more about Paul Casey or our program, please visit his website at growingforwardservices.net. Now, back to Grow Forward Today. Welcome back. Talking with Howard Bihar, and we just talked a little bit about his book, It's Not About the Coffee, and he wrote another book. So, Howard, you wrote The Magic Cup. It's a different kind of book. It's more allegory that teaches sound moral principles along the way. What motivated you to write this kind of book? Uh, You know, that book actually at the very beginning, it was born out of anger. Uh, (laughs) Wow. I I know, you know, but it's not how it ended up. It's, it, it came out of this place where I so vehemently disagreed with something we did at Starbucks that I actually resigned. And, and, and so it, It, it was born from that, but, but over time that all softened and I realized that the story didn't need to come from there. It needed to come from another place. And <laughs> so it was born out of this idea that <clears throat> the values count in an organization at all levels from the board of directors all the way through. And that, that it basically is this, you know, it's this allegory. It's, I call it where Harry Potter meets business. Yeah. <laughs> 
it, it's a bus story about uh, 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 a leader named Steadfast, right? Who has to learn those lessons. And he, you know, he wants to become the leader. He wants to become the CEO, but he doesn't know what he's getting himself into. And then he goes on the, on this journey with his people of, of trying to uh, uh, write the organization because the organization's in trouble. And of all the fears and all the, the crazy things that happen in organizations and, and eventually it comes out okay. But, but it, it basically is about living your values, trusting your people, and, and, and inviting your people to participate. Yeah, you've got 11 virtues in the Magic Cup, and uh, I'm, I'm going to rat- rattle through them very quickly, but I'd love to center in on a couple of them that you would say um, you would love just that the listeners of Grow Forward today to center in on in their own leadership. Responsibility, curiosity, cooperation, trust, we've talked about that one, truth, hope, forgiveness, focus, stewardship, courage, and connection. Howard, out of those, what are, what are a couple of them that we could just go a little bit deeper on? Ah, oh, God, you know, they're all they're all important. You know, I think you know I've spent a lot of time on trust, so I won't go back to that. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that curiosity is one, right? That yeah. you said, uh, curiosity. I think that's a driver in life. You need to be curious. It, you know, curious about yourself but curious about the world in which you live, curious about how other people feel and how other people think. When you do that, you open yourself up to new thoughts, to new ideas. And that's how you develop yourself as a human being. That's how you move forward. That's how you move your organization forward. So curiosity is really important. All too often, people get stuck in their rut. They get stuck in their, what I call their Mm -hmm. comfort zone. And they're not curious. They, they're afraid of being curious. They're afraid of getting outside of their comfort zone. And so they keep themselves down in that hole of, of comfort, and they never grow as a human being. And they never really allow their organization or their people to grow. And, you know, I have this analogy that here's how organizations work. You grow the people. You help them become better professionals and better human beings. The people grow the organization, and the organization grows the business. Mm. And and so that's when you talk about growing the people you got and growing your organization, you have to be curious. That, that is so good. And, and you said curious about yourself. And that, that makes me think of self-awareness, yep. uh, curious about the world around you, because you can't be a relevant leader if you're not, if you don't have a heads up about those things. Right. And then that last principle, you said curious about the people around you. That really makes me think about have, being a great listener. I'm, I'm reading a book now called The uh, The Lost Art of Listening. Yeah. <laughs> and boy, it's really great. It's good stuff. Would you agree that that's got to be one of the core skills? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Listening is critical, but listening is not just with your ears. Listening is with your eyes and with those little antenna that you can't see, but are sitting inside your head, tuning in to what's not being said. And and so listening is, is critical. And, um, you know, it's not easy for us to all be good listeners. You know, we all want to jump ahead. Yep. Right. Particularly when it comes to our spouses or our kids, right. They come <laughs> home with a problem, right. And as soon as they get to halfway out of their mouths, you're already solving their problem for them. Right. <laughs> and that's not what they want. Is no. It? They want you to listen to them. They don't want you to solve their problem. 
And it took me the longest time to learn that lesson until I was reading a book once and it had this little two word quote and it goes like this, compassionate emptiness, compassionate emptiness, being full of compassion, but empty of solutions. Mm. And you know that's what my wife wanted from me when she came home after a hard day's work. You know, she, 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 she'd talk about her day and immediately I'd go into problem solving mode. You know, that didn't work real well. <laughs> and my kids would do, I'd do the same thing with my kids. And it took me the longest time to, to really understand that when I was, I remember when I was a really young leader, I was probably about 27 years old and uh, a young woman that came into my office and, and she sat down in front of me on the desk and she was crying. And, and, you know, I was trying to be compassionate. I got up from my seat and I went around the desk. I had some tissue and I put my arm around it and mm. she'd about ripped my head off. <laughs> and that was when I first learned that not, because somebody is crying doesn't mean they're sad. Sometimes it's because they're angry. And so I never assumed that again, <laughs> men or women, right? Yes. Whatever, whatever. If some man came into my office and they were angry, uh, you know, I didn't assume they were mad. Maybe they were sad. And so I listened. I'd ask questions, clarifying questions. Okay. What's going on with you today? What is causing you to feel the way you're feeling? You know? I like I, yeah. Yes, I love the rhyme. Uh, when you when when you get furious, get curious. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, right. And don't. Yeah. Uh, I love the the the, uh, the reminder to not give advice. I don't think people in the world are walking around wanting unsolicited advice from each yeah. other. I think they want they want empathy. Yeah, yeah. We all have opinions, you know, and I'm certainly I certainly have a lot of opinions about life, about politics, about all sorts of things, right? And all right, fine. But you, you also, you can have your own opinion, but remember others have their own opinions. <laughs> yes. So stay empty of the solution and stay yeah. can lead with compassion yeah. is, is, is a good rule. And uh, you'll learn that the hard way in your marriage uh, or other relationships yep. if you lead with a different approach. That's true. <laughs> Well, focus is another one of those yeah. virtues that you emphasize in the book. Uh, I love that, that you put a reading group guide on your website uh, about these. I printed it out. I, I intend to, to go through each of these uh, values myself. And you put little um, synonyms next to it, concentration, aim, direction, persistent yeah. with each one. Talk to us about focus. Well, all too often, particularly in the business world, particularly entrepreneurs, they struggle with focus. They struggle to, to choose their direction and stay focused on the direction until they hit a rock and they might have to change a little direction. They, they're changing direction all the time. And particularly for some reason, entrepreneurs, it's probably because in particularly the more successful they get, the more they think anything they do is going to be good, which doesn't happen to be true. Mm -hmm. And I have found that if you focus on, focus on your goals, focus on your people, you know, focus on uh, on your greater purpose, right? It has a way of centering you, and 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 it and it really helps you in getting success in whatever you're doing. When you start to get unfocused, when you start to look at every opportunity that comes along as a great opportunity. I remember when I first started at Starbucks, uh, I was in the stores, and I, I there was somebody behind the counter, and they had a tape measure, and I said, "Oh, what are you measuring for?" And the guy said, "Well, we're going to put soup in." I said, soup. 
<laughs> what do you mean soup? And he says, yeah, well, Schultz wants us to try uh, soup. I said, really? I immediately got on the phone. <laughs> what are you doing? We can hardly handle what we're doing. Soup? You want to put soup in? <laughs> right? It's not that I don't like soup. I do. But, you know, we're trying to, we're barely at dealing with our coffee. And we didn't need to add another product line, particularly soup. Not that soup isn't good, but it wasn't what we were doing. Right, he got, right. He got, me, he got mad at me, but we didn't have any soup. <laughs> Starbucks soup. Boy, yeah, I can't even imagine that that would have been a thing. <laughs> yeah. But at that time, believe it or not, we were making handmade sandwiches. You'd come into the oh. store, you'd order a panini, go up to the counter, order a panini. Meanwhile, there were five people behind that person just wanting a cup of coffee. And they'd have to wait 15 minutes to get their cup of coffee. I said, we got to get rid of these sandwiches. We're, we're, in the, we're, we're selling coffee here. Okay, let's, you know, if we're going to have sandwiches, they got to be pre-made, you know, we can't have the time where somebody's waiting for a latte for 15 minutes. It'll never work. Focus on your strengths is the message yeah, I get focus, from that. <laughs> focus on what brought you to the party. Yeah, yeah. And you're right. Entrepreneurs, we're squirrels. We just we yeah. want to go like, oh, let's add that service. Let's add that product. And then you get off of your game. And then you, you know, somebody gives you a compliment. Hey, you would really be good at this. Oh, really? Okay, let's do that. You know? <laughs> let's do one more, uh, Howard, on this uh, from from this book. Uh, courage. Talk to us about why that is so important. Uh, well, because everything in life it has a risk associated with this, mm-hmm. with it, and you have to have the courage to take those steps. You know, I always believed as long as it wasn't illegal, unethical, or immoral, it was worth trying at Starbucks. That's how we got Frappuccino. There was a young woman named Dina Campion. She was a district manager in Southern California. And I always believe that the person who sweeps the floor should choose the broom. And she, you know, what I meant by that was that you hire great people, you know, give them the opportunity to do things in their areas of expertise. So she was a district manager, and she had goals to achieve. And she wanted to, she saw a product in one of her competitor stores that she thought we should sell. Well, I went and visited her and and she told me about it. And I tried a sample of that competitor's product. I said, well, let's take it back to Seattle and let's see how people feel about it. And I did. And there was a sound rejection from the head of marketing at that time and product about, we're not going to do that. We're in the copy business, right? So here's, here's where, you know, that somebody could say, well, wait a minute, you just talked about focus. Well, we were in the beverage business, and I, right? And so I felt that, and this product was going to have coffee in it. So I felt that that was, you know, that wasn't, it wasn't like we're trying to sell soup. And uh, so, you know, but it got rejected. And, but she had the courage to stay with it and keep pounding the table and said, we got to do this, we got to do this. Until I finally said, okay, you can do it, but do not tell us all. Well, and, and we did it, and it was a blowout success. And because of her, Dina, and it created a $4 billion business because of her courage in staying with something. She wasn't afraid to, to deal with rejection. And she thank you for the, thank you for the Frappuccino. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so cool. Uh, an idea bubbles up. You give it, uh, you give it just as much as if the head of marketing was the one who came up with the idea. Yeah, I gave her more. You know, yeah. I mean, we, we broke the rules, but that's so what? It wasn't illegal, wasn't immoral, wasn't unethical. And, and I said, don't poison anybody. So 
We lived within those rules. <laughs> we, we were we were okay, and she made it happen. It wasn't my idea, you know. I I was never the idea guy. Schultz was a lot more of an idea guy than I was. I was an alchemist. I would listen to the people. I'd listen to enough people, and after I listened to enough, I said maybe we should try this, you know, based on what they were saying, and and that's how it happened. And I wasn't afraid to push things, you know. I, when I, you know, I was could be relentless myself on pushing things that I thought were right, even though there was a lot, maybe a lot of rejection. You know, I was willing to take that those risks, and and you know the the name Frappuccino we actually came from a company that we bought in Boston called the coffee connection. And the product came really the idea for the product came from a competitor in, in Los Angeles. And then we of course made it our own and what we thought was better, but uh, we didn't create it. You know, we, we were willing to look at what was going on in the marketplace and say, well, let's try this. You know, worst thing that could happen is it didn't work. And so right. when you allow people that sweep the floor to choose the room, it's amazing what they can create. Well, you sound like you're a reader. I'm, a, I'm an avid reader as well. And I think leaders are readers. How has reading played a big part in your personal leadership development? Well, I, you know, I, I wish I read more fiction and nonfiction. I do. I, I, I read some. I, I kind of gotten lazy as I've gotten older. I don't know why. But, <laughs> but, but, but reading, particularly in my early years, leadership and management books and Peter Drucker's, all of Peter Drucker's books, uh, Jim Autry's book, uh, um, uh, Leo Bascoglia's books, uh, on and on and on about, I I had an innate desire to learn about growing myself and growing others. And that's, and, and, and that's where I learned servant leadership was by reading Greenleaf's books. Mm -hmm. And so I love that stuff. I mean, you know, the one minute manager by, by Ken Blanchard. Blanchard. Yep. Yeah. And there were so many of those things that helped me. It's how I learned. You know, you're talking to a guy that barely got out of high school. I, I had two years of community college. I was not a great student, but I was a good learner. And so those books all played a huge role in my life. And from those books, I got hundreds and hundreds of quotes that I put on my office wall. And mm. they informed me. They were there to remind me things. You know, some of my favorite quotes are, you can't win a marriage like you can't win a negotiation. Uh, <laughs> only the truth sounds like the truth. When you're in a hole, quit digging. I mean, I had on and on and on and on. I probably had 200 quotes on my office wall. And, and those things, whenever I was struggling with something, I went to those quotes and they reminded me. So uh, grow forward today, listeners. It's time to redecorate your office. <laughs> Quotes that inspire you. Quotes that remind you. Oh, boy, that's so good. I read on a recent LinkedIn post of yours that one of your goals with your social pro platforms is to promote servant leaders in action. I think that's such a positive use of social media. What would you recommend to social media users to use it for good and not for evil? Yeah, well, watch out who you listen to, mm. and always, always, always challenge what you're listening to. Whether even no matter it comes from me or whoever it comes from, right? Do do your own work to investigate. Uh, you know, there's there's too much garbage floating around, and it's too easy now. It never used to be this easy, 
you know, you know, in the old days, a rumor would start with one person and it would go around the church or the synagogue. 50 people might know. Now you start a rumor <laughs> and a hundred thousand people know the next day. Yeah. It comes truth. And, and it's not truth. You know, it, it's, it, you know, do your own real investigation and ask yourself a question. Does this really seem reasonable? Mm-hmm. Right. Does it really seem reasonable that Fauci would, you know, do something to hurt other people after spending 50 years trying to save lives? You may not agree with everything Fauci says or does, right? And you certainly are entitled to your own opinion, but don't doubt that he's doing something to help people because he spent his whole life doing it. Doesn't, isn't whether he was right or wrong, you know, it's, it's, not, the, it's not the point, you know, um, I, I believe in giving trust before you get trust. I usually find that people that don't trust aren't very trustworthy themselves. Mm. Yeah, I've heard it said. I think John Maxwell said, put a 10 on people's forehead when you meet them, right? Don't start them at zero. Start yeah. them at 10. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's how I believe is you give trust before you get trust. So I always assume people are trustworthy, you know, until they prove that they're not. And when I find out that they're not, by doing my own investigation, then... That's a different story. I might listen to him, but I'm going to listen to him with a jaundiced ear, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so your, your point is like, and then check, check out the stories as well, because like you said, it's too easy for stuff to just float in and out. Uh, I think you mentioned in your book, uh, it's not about the coffee. You even have like a decision filter that you encourage people to run their big decisions through because otherwise everything gets in and yeah. then we've got a bunch of baloney, you know, cir- circling in our brains. Yeah, absolutely. You have to have a filter that you put things through and, you know, and you have to use, <clears throat> you, it's all right to doubt. So, you know, that's what keeps us alive, right. Yep. Is, you know, and that's a, hum- a human instinct, right. But don't, you can't doubt everything in life. And, and you have to do your own work. And, um, you know, we're struggling right now in this country. There's so much doubt. There's so much belief that somebody is out to hurt us. Right? Mm-hmm. Not everybody is out to hurt us. Not everybody in government is out to hurt us. Matter of fact, most people want to do good things. Most, most people innately. I have found in my life, I have 77 years old. I have found, I've, I could count on one hand the amount, amount of people that I have met in my life that actually wanted to damage another human being. Mm. They really wanted to do that. You know, and it, it, very few people want to do it. People want to be loved. People want to be respected. People want to be trusted. Are there bad people in this world? Yes, there are, of course. You know, there are. The people that are self, only self-interested and stuff like that. But try, try to have trust. You know, and try to assume the best of intentions first and then go the other way if you need to. That's an that's incredible principle. I, I even try to do that as ground rules uh, when I do team buildings is assume positive intent. Go yeah. in giving people the benefit of the doubt and uh, don't assume if they're late to work that they don't care. Uh, maybe yeah. they got in an accident on the way there. Maybe they're not feeling well. Maybe they helped an an injured motorist. Who knows what happened, but at least plant the seed in your own brain that something that that they had, they didn't have malicious intent. You know, let's look at, let's take how this will get me in trouble with some of your listeners. (laughs) But let's see this whole thing about getting a vaccination. 
What do we know about vaccinations from the beginning of time of vaccinations, right? We know a lot, right? Vaccinations and medicine, antibiotics have allowed us to go from an average lifespan of 50 years old to an average lifespan of almost 80 today in a hundred in a little over a hundred years. Now, you may not want to get a vaccination. That is your right. But understand that when you don't, that you're you potentially could be hurting another human being. I mean, you know, think about uh, measles and mumps and chicken pox, right? And all those things that have how many countless and millions of people as the vaccinations have saved. Now, as does a vaccination have a potential to hurt somebody? Yes. Some people probably have been hurt by vaccination, gotten sick from it. Maybe even somebody has died from it. But you look at the overall effect and you realize that sometimes you have to take a risk for, to, to help other human beings. Right? And, and, you know, that risk, sometimes, yeah, you might get hurt. But it's just like you take a risk for your kids right? Or your families, and it might hurt you or your friends. You know, sometimes you you invest with one of your friends because they need some money, you know, and you're taking a risk that you might not ever get that money back. But we all are here to help others. And that means that sometimes, you know, we have to care more than we think is wise. We are all here to help others. We are yeah. not in a, uh, we're not in a vacuum. I guess some people enjoy their hermit lifestyle, yeah. but I, I don't think that's why we're on this planet. And yeah. uh, just to, just to take a rabbit trail on that one, uh, you serve on boards. You want yeah. to give back. Like yeah. you serve on some main boards, you serve on advisory boards. You don't have yeah. to do that in your retirement, but no. you choose to do that. Would you recommend anyone seeking to develop themselves to, join a board of a cause that they want to support? Absolutely. And you don't have to be on a board. Just go volunteer. Yeah. Right? Learn yeah, about yeah. it. Get a broom and sweep the floor. Go into the toilet and clean the toilet. Pick up cigarette <laughs> butts outside the building. Right? And, and whatever it is. And then if you are interested and you think you can add value, then join a board, you know, to help. Uh, but, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think being part of other organizations and things you don't know a lot about, but you think you can add value and help? Absolutely. Yeah, pick your area. You know, I'm on a foundation board, a family foundation, which basically supports uh, uh, creating, uh, um, to teaching people about for skills, primarily personal skills, interpersonal skills, so they can mm-hmm. be successful in their job that uh, supports uh, cancer research. And I don't know a lot about those things. I was on the board of a bank. Yeah, I'd never been on a board of a bank. I had to learn a lot, and, but it was interesting. And I added value because I was a people-centric person, and that's what I drove with inside that company. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, absolutely. I, I highly recommend it. Give back. And yes. never, it don't, you don't need to be on a board to give back. True. If you want to do it, do it. But, you know, you, you can do the little things to give back. Did Starbucks as a company have a give back uh, philosophy as well? And if so, how did that, how did it play out? Does it play out at the local level or did it play out more at the national, international level? No, it, it on both. It, it played out on all levels because we're, we're all in all the communities that we operate. Uh, it had, it had to play out. So, 
you know, our people at stores could make decisions on giving things, doing things. Our people in our regions could do the same things. Nationally, we did things. We would support people to take, pay people to take time off to go do volunteer work. Uh, I mean, we would do all of that. And, and yeah, absolutely. You got to give back. Now, you can't do everything, you know, and, and we tried to stay focused on the things that was really important. You know, in our coffee-grown regions, we'd stay focused on particularly water quality because the pe- mm-hmm. water is important to growing coffee, on education for the people, on on how to grow coffee without having used so many inputs, you know, fertilizers or pesticides. And, and so, yeah, absolutely. You had to do it everywhere. Well, last question for you, Howard, you get to mentor us all uh, with your last words here today. What do you want to promote for our listeners, personal leadership development? It could be something you've already said today, or you can, you can tie it all in a bow. Okay. Well, you got, you have to, figure out who you are as a human being. Okay. I call it what hat you want to wear in your life. Mm. And that means that you really have to figure out what your eight to 10 core values are, how those values will inform the actions or the decisions you make in your life. You have to have a mission statement, a mission statement that defines your greater purpose and that, and, and, and gives you direction to what you're doing. And, and you should have a paragraph or two of how you want to live your life. And that should all be written down. On a piece of paper, I carry a piece of paper with me. It's either on my iPad or in my briefcase that is a picture of Howard in 50 words or less. And it directs my life. And I would encourage everybody to do this because if you don't know where you're going in life, any path will get you there. You're much better off to live a life of intention than without intention. We li- when you live a life of intention, then when you, when you reach my age, you can look back at your life and you can ask yourself the question, how did I do? You should be asking that question all the way along. How did I do against how I my values, against my mission statement, against how I want to live my life? Every day you should be asking yourself that question. But at the end of your life, you don't want to look back at your life and say, well, I don't know. You know, I guess I lived my life. That's not a good answer. The answer is I, I have my mission is to nurture and inspire the human spirit every day, beginning with myself first and then for others. And I want to be able to look back you know, when I'm in that rocking chair at the nursing home, if I can still think, you know, how did you do, Howard? And I want to be able to answer that question in the affirmative. Were you perfect? No, but you you did live your life nurturing and inspiring the human spirit. Live life intentionally, grow forward today. Listeners, Howard, thank you for adding value to all of us today. And uh, we wish you the best as you continue to add value in all the things that you touch. Okay, Paul, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. So I have some takeaways from Howard today. There were so many, it's hard to narrow it down to three, but uh, I like that number three. So you heard him again, reinforce it at the end. What hat do you want to wear for your life? So do a core value exercise, get a list of values. I can send you one if you don't have one. Narrow that down to eight to 10. Turn that into a personal mission statement so that you can bounce your life decisions off of that. And then come up with that picture of yourself, 50 words or less. And yes, please write it down because it becomes this guiding document for your life for adding value. That's really good stuff. Also, I loved the the quote that the person who sweeps the floor should choose the broom. If you're in any leadership, which probably even in your own family, allow people to make those decisions because the people closest to the action are the ones that probably know how to make that decision well. 
And then uh, don't give advice right away. Be a good listener. Lead with compassion. Empty yourself of being a solution giver right off the bat and lead with empathy in order to be a great servant leader. The GFT podcast is all about putting the practical tips from my guests into action for your personal leadership development. And remember, if you learn something and don't put it into action within 72 hours, those valuable gems start to slip out of your brain gradually until they lose their value to your life. Thank you for listening to episode six. Please spread the word about this podcast to the other achiever friends in your life who are hungry to grow forward in their lives. Remember, you must lead yourself well before you can lead your team well. Until next week, keep growing forward. Thank you for tuning in for this episode of Grow Forward Today. Remember to visit Paul's website for more tools that you can use at growingforwardservices.net. Join us again for another edition very soon on the Voice America Business Channel.